March is National Sleep Awareness Month. Adequate sleep is a cornerstone of better long-term health. As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to support restful sleep, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand that I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences. Their natural wellness line, CBD Calm and CBD Sleep, combines well-studied ingredients offering non-habit-forming options and natural sleep and relaxation support. CBD Calm helps ease tension, soothes irritability, and contributes to a greater sense of contentment through a blend of plus CBD's award-winning full-spectrum CBD plus L-theanine and 5-HTP. CBD Sleep aids occasional sleeplessness with CBD plus melatonin, as well as soothing magnolia bark extract and relaxing lemon balm so you can get the rest you need and wake up alert and focused. Both products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Top, and we're talking about the cognitive fitness benefits of exercise and how you can access them, uh, even if you haven't been a lifelong exerciser. If you've been a lifelong exerciser, so much the better, but perhaps uh, you're getting religion at the age of, you know, uh, 50, 60, 70, or even beyond. Uh, how do you start? Our guest is a certified personal trainer. Uh, she even trains trainers. She's a PhD. Uh, Sabrina Joe, uh, your PhD is in exercise physiology, I presume, or something along those lines. Um, actually, my master's was in biomechanics and kinesiology, but my PhD is in the psychology of health and physical activity. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> so describe your your academic career. I mean, so you you I I. I see you on, on Zoom and you look like a very fit individual. So you decided to incorporate your orientation towards fitness to your professional career. Um, and you became a certified. Uh, so biomechanics, what's that about? How do you get a master's degree in biomechanics? It sounds like an engineering de de uh, degree. Right. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's the study of how the body produces forces and then receives, receives forces. Um, and it's also another way to say kinesiology. Um, and instead of looking at the physiology, like what happens at the muscular uh, cell level of um, exercise, it's more looking at the mechanics of exercise. Mm -hmm. So the forces and the angles and, and so forth at joints. Um, so, but I did that way back when, um, as a young person. And about 30 years later, I decided to go back and get my, um, PhD, which I recently just finished because I had, um, a decades long experience helping people um, perform exercise and coach them through exercise. But what I started to understand was that helping people with their behaviors and actually adopting physical activity as a new lifestyle behavior was so much more important, in my opinion, mm -hmm. um, than, uh, because you have to have someone who's willing to, to put in the effort and learn these new behaviors and then, then stick to them for it to make a difference. So, so that's it's, kind of it's my about motivation uh, and uh, also, yeah. uh, you know, sustained 
uh, commitment to exercise and, you know, cause you can throw yourself into an exercise program, but there's a high burnout rate. Uh, and then people, you know, get in- injured and, you know, they, they get off the wagon. Um, that's right. So I, I presume you read a PhD paper because PhDs are required to write a dissertation. And do you, yes. do you want to share on that? Yes. Well, uh, I had the unfortunate circumstance of trying to do my, uh, data collection during the pandemic <laughs> right and <laughs> and so i was going to visit group fitness classes that predominantly were for older adults and i was mm-hmm. going to assess their motivation and the motivational climate in which they were um, exercising and and draw some conclusions around that and so what i ended up having to do was instead um survey individuals uh, about their experiences doing virtual streaming classes because mm. that's all we had access to. Right. Right. And and so I I found some interesting things, not all surprising um if you if you've looked at motivation at all, but basically if you are exercising in an environment in mm. which the instructor or coach makes you feel welcomed, part of the group, um and also understands and recognizes that mistakes are a part of learning and encourages you as you continue in your development process, um, then you're going to be more likely to adhere. And also there's that social connection that's so important with exercise, um, and especially as we age. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because uh, I, I worked out with a personal trainer prior to, uh, to COVID, and then uh, the gym closed for a while, and then there was covid and, uh, you know, he didn't go to the gym because, you know, all the hassles associated with COVID. Uh, and there was a lapse for me. And he said, well, why don't you just do some virtual sessions with me? But I, I just didn't care for it. I, it just didn't work for me. But yet during COVID, that was a realistic option. Uh, you know, what are the advantages and disadvantages of these? And, and by the way, it's, it's cheaper, too. I mean, and there's a lot of startups that are offering virtual training. What are the pluses and minuses of those? Did you gain any insights into that? The pluses were that for some people, um, especially adults who who really couldn't get out and they were homebound and isolated, the Zoom and the virtual exercise sessions were a lifeline for some of them. Mm-hmm. And so that was an important just social gathering, plus also movement was involved. So anytime you can pair movement with um, socializing, it's a it's a win-win. Um, but there were just as many people reporting that they really did not enjoy the technology. They did not enjoy the virtual setting, and they were just craving getting back into the, you know, the building, the room with other people. Um, so what I think we've learned was that it, you know, you can do a hybrid approach. Um, you can definitely offer virtual classes. Um, and that might be appropriate for people in certain circumstances. Uh, but I think the majority enjoyed the social connections of in-person activity and that's what they prefer. So uh, I uh, am lucky enough to live right adjacent to a YMCA 
which is a, a full facility with swimming and a well-equipped gym and basketball court. And, uh, and then, you know, for running, you know, I can go to Central Park or I can run along the East River. I mean, I've got a lot of options. And, you know, when I'm outside the city, I can, you know, go through the countryside. Uh, and, but uh, what about people who are, you know, you're in Kansas. And what about people who are in kind of remote areas, r- rural Kansas? Maybe they're older. Maybe they're concerned about going out and about because COVID's still around. Uh, what resources can they use at home uh, to begin an exercise program? Say they're, you know, 65 and they're just starting. Uh, they're inspired by stories that suggest that exercise has cognitive protective benefits. I think if a person doesn't have access to a fitness facility, or maybe they just don't want to, like yeah, some people some don't people enjoy don't that. Want to. Yeah, they, they, yeah. yeah, people are some people they feel unfit or ungainly, or maybe they're overweight. You know, there's there's those factors are, are real for some people. Absolutely, and so if that is you know, the case, then working out in the home environment is definitely a viable option. And it can be done with little to no equipment and little to no space. And so, especially for older adults who might enjoy like, a, a, for example, a chair exercise routine, pair that with a resistance band for some, you know, muscular resistance training, and you've got all you need for great physical activity program. And one of the things that happened, um, and I think due to the pandemic really, was that a large variety of free video options for exercise became available on platforms such as YouTube. Mm -hmm. And those are available for people of all different abilities and skills and ages. And I think that if you know, a person has a technology to hook up to YouTube and find um, a great exercise program for at, at home for someone with whatever specific condition they may or may not have, say it's arthritis or, or it's, you know, strength building or warding off frailty. Um, it, those things exist and they, they can be accessed as long as you've got that internet connection. And, and there, there are cheap, uh, relatively small pieces of equipment, you know, like light weights, resistance bands. Resistance bands were a lifesaver for me during the, the real heart of COVID because I live in Manhattan in New York City and you could go virtually nowhere. We really were under lockdown. And, uh, so I, I, you know, ordered some resistance bands of various strengths and you can attach them to a, a doorknob or, you know, you can wedge them into a doorway and uh, you could do quite a lot of things with those. Uh, or you can get a TRX. I really love TRX. TRX is a great system. Yeah. Uh, rel- I mean, you can get it for, you know, a hundred bucks and change for a complete system. And it can mount to your, you know, if you have a hook in the ceiling or even if you don't, you can put it in a, in a you know, jam it into your, uh, uh, door, uh, and, uh, do some really good stuff with a TRX. Uh, and then, uh, you can do also, you know, floor exercises. You could do wall squats. Can you talk to us about wall squats? Those are really helpful for stability. As people age, uh, the thigh muscles tend to deteriorate and the glutes. Uh, what about those? Yeah, wall, squat, wall squats are great. They're surprisingly um, challenging, <laughs> especially when you get there and you're, and you're there for a while. So a wall squat is where you're basically 
leaning against a wall. You've got your back fully against the wall and you slide down as low as you can tolerate parallel. If your thighs are parallel to the floor, that's probably the best position, but mm-hmm. you don't have to go that low. You like can go your like knee and your lower leg making a, uh, I mean, the upper leg and lower leg making a 90 degree angle. That would, and that's hard yeah. to hold. Yeah. 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 And, and so usually the recommendation is you try to hold it for 20 seconds, maybe 30 seconds. If you get real good, you can hold it for a minute or two, but yeah, you're definitely challenging the, the muscles of the thigh and the hip and those muscles um, unfortunately tend to selectively become weaker and weaker as we age. And so that's a great exercise. And all you need is yourself and a wall. Indeed. So when you meet with a professional personal trainer, like an ACE certified health coach or an ACE certified personal trainer, uh, and actually there, there are levels of certification, right? There's some that are higher levels of certification, right? That, that's the way it works. Uh, there are different requirements, right, for different certifications in terms of like your prerequisites. Um, but yeah, for, in, in terms of exercise, a certified personal trainer um, is going to be your best bet. And then we do have um, areas of specialization like mm-hmm. um senior fitness and yeah. youth fitness, things like that. Right. Okay. So, uh, or even uh, people with a specialization towards uh, certain medical conditions, perhaps, uh, although I think right. the, the general curriculum probably covers that. Uh, there, I mean, there's, there is actually this thing called cardiac rehab, which is really important. You know, even if you've had a heart attack, if you've had bypass surgery, you need to do cardiac rehab and you really need to get religion. And I, I've, I've met people who've had uh, bypass surgery, you know, 35, 40 years ago, and they're in terrific shape uh, because that was a wake-up call for them, and uh, they embarked on a program of lifelong fitness. Yeah, so the cardiac rehab that you're talking about in, is in more of a clinical setting. Initially, it has to be supervised because you, you know, have to yes. be medically monitored, and you know, they hook you up just to make sure everything's all right. Yeah. Yeah, and the hope is you you graduate from that clinical setting, and you become strong enough and well enough. Now you can you know go about your life, and that would be <laughs> that would be an appropriate time for a personal trainer to you know coach and assist you at that point once you're out of that uh, the cardiac rehab that you mentioned. So when a, a an A certified health coach or personal trainer meets with a new client. There's an assessment phase, right? Which I think is really good because rather than give you a rote program like, okay, you know, here's the program. It's they, they analyze your strengths and weaknesses. How do they do that? Yes. Yes. So there are some screens that are typically done that, you know, kind of to help under, to help the trainer or coach understand your health history and any conditions that you may be dealing with um, or any risks that you may have um, that could be exacerbated by exercise or the stress of physical activity. Um, But then there are these physical assessments where um, a personal trainer can watch your body move, your joints move, and really determine the best, most appropriate way forward with the right specific exercise based on your individual needs. And it sounds to me like your previous experience with your, the person who gave you rhabdomyolysis, yeah. <laughs> it, did, it didn't sound like that trainer did a good job of assessing you and no. personalizing a program for your needs. 
No, it sounds like he just wanted to sort of uh, beat the living crap out of me, <laughs> to put it mildly. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, uh, but uh, uh, another benefit, and this has actually been established. I was really amazed by a recent study that uh, came out that compared, check this out. You may be familiar with the study because you you follow these things. Uh, it compared psychotherapy and pharmacotherapy for depression and anxiety. Okay, psychotherapy, talk therapy, pharmacotherapy, mm-hmm. all the, you know, our drug arsenal for anxiety, depression, usually SSRI, antidepressants, uh, SNRIs, uh, anxiolytic medications, you know, like uh, Klonopin, and Xanax, uh, you know, etc. Um, two, exercise for anxiety and depression. And they, they broke down and they found that, you know, you know, drugs about quarter effective, um, psychotherapy, you know, 30% effective. Exercise was nearly 50% effective. So it was actually about one and a half times more effective uh, in, a, in a head-to-head comparison with uh, medications and and talk therapy. And not to suggest that we shouldn't be doing an all-of-the-above approach, but it sort of emphasizes the, the potency of exercise uh, for our brains. And, you know, in addition to cognition, uh, the brain's responsible for mood. Yes, I couldn't agree more. I'm glad that you're bringing this up because one of the things that we need to start doing better as a, a fitness industry and just, uh, you know, allied health professionals in general, we have to start emphasizing the benefits of exercise beyond just looking better naked, uh, right. losing weight, and a means to an end when you eat too much over the weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we really need to start emphasizing the the health and wellness and psychological benefits of exercise. And I'm that's why I was thrilled that you wanted to talk about this topic today. Yeah. And also, I think we really need to look at the other end of life, you know, which is uh, introducing kids to exercise uh, early on uh, and cultivating that because uh, with you know, a couple of factors, you know, budgetary constraints, but also liability. Uh, and then, of course, COVID, you know, the pandemic, uh we're sort of separating kids into the haves and the have-nots. You know, kids are, are less fit, more overweight, more prone to adult on what used to be called adult onset diabetes happening in kids now. Uh, but there's there's also the elite kids. You know, the kids who go to like the soccer camps and the and the baseball camps and the hockey. You know, they can afford the the hockey equipment and you know, the hockey moms can take them there uh, in their suburban uh, you know Dodge caravans and all that stuff. Uh, so we're seeing like uh, a real kind of tale of two, two cities when it comes to kids' fitness, right? Yeah, we really are. And it's a shame because the people, the kids who have the resources to be able to, you know, be physically active all their lives and play sports um, and are supported by their parents and, you know, get into the best programs and so forth. That's a very small percentage of the population. And most uh, people just aren't going to have those benefits. And we need to bring about a better awareness of physical activity starting very early in life so that, that young kids enjoy it and enjoy it for all the right reasons. 
So is there a, polit- uh, a, a political or lobbying arm of ACE? Does ACE have a presence uh, in Congress or in state legislatures to uh, encourage uh, exercise programs for kids or uh, more facilities for adults uh, in addition to just providing certification? Yes, we have an advocacy branch um, of the organization that directly deals with exactly what you're talking about. Okay, so let's say, and I've actually considered this, is I, at one point, and I may still do this, uh, you know, in my spare time, I mean, I'm pretty busy. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, I do these podcasts, you know, I write, uh, I do a live radio program, and I still see patients. Uh, but at one point, I was, I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool to take a certification so that I can, you know, I enjoy exercise, but so that I'd be more educated about exercise and I could actually teach exercise classes? Because I think, you know, I'm, I think I'm imparting health to people by talking about these things and I'm imparting health one on one with with patients by uh, telling them what to eat and what vitamins to take and encouraging them to exercise. But if I had that expertise, I could really uh, have a big impact on people. So is there a pathway for uh, younger people who are listening to this who want a career in uh, as a personal trainer or a health coach uh, to pursue or, or even, you know, middle-aged people looking for a second career? Is, is that available to them through ACE? Absolutely. And it is... The way we offer our programs, they're they're self-paced for busy people like yourself. Um, so you could take as long as you need to to get through the information to sit for the exam. And you also, you need to be 18 years old and you need to um, also go through the, um, the, the CPR certification those those are the two requirements for the group fitness instructor and for the personal trainer um certification exams through ace so meeting those two requirements are um the first steps and then you know going through the educational materials um to prepare you to sit for the exam uh but typically if if you're new to this type of information if you're new to studying fitness it, it might take you um, realistically, a good six months to get through a self-paced study course to get ready. Um, but then, of course, if you're, you know, if you're well uh, versed in this type of information, it might not take you that long to get through mm-hmm. the materials. Right. If you're already uh, familiar with some exercise principles. And finally, yeah. you know, what advice, you know, since you uh, got your Ph.D. in exercise psychology, uh, motivational psychology, what do you say to people who say, you know, Ah, this seems so very daunting to me. I, I don't know. I, you know, maybe I, I'm too old. It's too late. Uh, how do you overcome some of these obstacles to putting one step, one foot in front of the other and just beginning on that pathway? Yeah, the old paralysis by analysis. It's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um well, fortunately, we ACE has some great programs where we break it down very um, clearly for you in terms of, you know, this is the step you take first, this is the next step, and so on and so forth. So we've we've done it in a you way chunk, that makes it feel it. very achievable. You chunk, you chunk yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah. That's actually that's actually uh, just a uh, quick. Uh, 
uh, anecdote how I how I learned to ski is you know I learned later in life I was in my 40s and I went to like this you know really you know, small ski resort in Connecticut and uh, you know what a lot of people would consider like a bunny slope and you know I got to the top uh, with a lift and then I looked down and I saw the chalet down there and to me it looked like that was like a chasm you know at the bottom of the hill and I, I kind of visualized myself, you know, starting to ski and then turning into like one of those cartoon tumbleweeds and then crashing through the walls of the chalet. I mean, that's was what was going through my head. And I was but I but I I was with an instructor and the instructor said, look, don't look at the chalet. He said, see that tree over to the left it was about, you know, 10 yards away. He said, ski to that tree and then you'll turn and you'll find another tree a little ways down. And you'll ski to that and then you'll turn. And so, and I, and by the end of the day, I was zigzagging my way down and I wasn't like, you know, turning it into like, uh, you know, Olympic ski jump, <laughs> you know, with me tumbling nice. through the air. So, that, but that to me is, is my personal uh, anecdote about how to take, you know, little steps uh, towards a ultimate goal. And, you know, I think that that kind of encapsulates it. Uh, and finally, yep. what, uh, where do you find out about ACE, the American Council on Exercise? And are there, there are public resources there, too? You're, so you don't have to be an aspiring health coach to access those resources, right? That's right. We do um, produce a lot of content for just the general public. Um, and we're a nonprofit organization. And so we do make sure that what we present to both um, exercise professionals and health coaches, as well as just the general public and consumer, is information, education about safe and effective exercise and well-being. And so at um, our website, it's probably the best place to look at that information, um, acefitness.org. And there you will find all kinds of free information um, about just anything you could want to know about exercise, um, you know, demonstrations, workouts, information about the science and research. Um, all of these things we do when we provide um, to our consumers for free. So it's a great resource. Well, that's excellent. Well, I you know, must commend you on your uh, professional career. Uh, you're helping a lot of people. You're making a big impact. And uh, I hope that uh, today's discussion with you has inspired uh, some of our listeners to uh, uh, take it up a notch in terms of their uh, exercise commitment, something that I really think is an intrinsic part of a, the health equation and certainly with brain benefits. That was wonderful to be here. ACE's mission is to get people moving. So if we just helped one person get moving, then I think I've done my job. Oh, I think <laughs> at the very least. Thank you very much, uh, <laughs> Dr. Sabrina Joe. That's uh, spelled J-O. Uh, uh -huh. And uh, you're also, I think, probably findable also on the Internet. Thanks for joining yes. us. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. Reinvest in your wellness goals this spring with savings on supplements. March 14th and 15th only, I'll be offering 10% off all products in my online Fullscript Supplement Dispensary. March 14th 
and 15th, two days only. Get 10% off and free shipping on my entire inventory of top supplements at DearHoffmanStore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. It's the safest and most convenient way to purchase my curated supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast, free shipping and optional refill reminders via text or email. Never counterfeit or expired, always stored and shipped correctly. It's safe, secure, and includes world-class customer service. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com for 10% off and free shipping for two days only, March 14th and 15th. That's DearHoffmanStore.com, DearHoffmanStore.com.